welcome back to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. We're going on instinct right now. I'm not awake. <laughs> we are very, very tired. Reba <laughs> is going to run the show tonight, yeah, today. So, Reba, what happened last? <laughs> there was some flirty flirt, flirt, flirt stuff happening. Oh, casters. What's up with that? Yeah, so uh, Lena told the big secret, eh? 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 <laughs> what are we, Canadian? <laughs> Yes. We're not. We're Southern. That's where this book is from. This book is from the Southern. <laughs> the book is from the Southern. The book of Southern. The book of Southern. <laughs> the missing book of the Bible. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yep. Casters. Yep. That's a thing. Uh, I guess I need to read. <laughs> All right. So to begin, we are on September 24th, which is funny enough, my boyfriend's birthday. Cute. Uh, yeah. And this one's called The Last Three Rows. Mm-hmm. The expression, it hit me like a ton of bricks, never felt truer to Ethan. Ever since the big conversation, you know, about Lena and casters and all that fun stuff, there were only two places Ethan wanted to be. With Lena or alone, so he could figure out what he was feeling about Lena. They weren't dating, and up until two weeks ago, she wouldn't even admit that they were friends. He didn't know how to ask her how she felt about him, and he couldn't talk about it with anyone. Guys don't talk about stuff like that. We just lie under the pile of bricks. Do y'all, guys? Do y'all? Do you? Do you? I think so. I don't talk about my feelings sometimes either. It's okay. It's normal. It's a coping mechanism. Not a good one, but yeah. No. While sitting in the garden at Greenbrier, he asked Lena what she was writing in her notebook. Ethan thought of the little garden as their special place. After a little bit, she told him it was stupid, but she wrote poetry. She had done it since she was a kid. He told her that it wasn't stupid and his parents were writers. Then Ethan does a piss poor job of asking Lena out. Yes, he does. Here's what happens. <laughs> word for word. So do you want to, you know, hang out? I tried to sound casual. <laughs> Isn't that what we're doing? Yeah, no, I mean, do you want to? I don't know. Go somewhere? Honestly, if a guy asked me that, I would think nothing of it. I wouldn't either. Uh, yeah, I, I also would not. I've also friend-zoned many a guy, <laughs> so, I mean. I've also never have had these words stated to me, but cool. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've also friend-zoned some guys and not realized it, and then was told I did afterwards, so... In real life, I'm a very bro-y girl, mm-hmm. I guess. I'm very like, yeah, we're buddies. And then it'll hit me like two years later, like, oh, they really, really liked me. And I am a terrible human being because I was It's like, not your fault. I mean, it's not. But it's like, I wish I was more aware of situations what like What have you done to change that besides broken their poor little hearts? Probably nothing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm oblivious to that, too, so. I guess because the thought goes, it's in the back of your mind, not necessarily goes through your mind of why would they be interested in me? That's kind of like the books I was talking about earlier where like the girl's like, oh, like he can't be interested in little me. And I'm like, no, but he is. (laughs) A little bit different. I don't know. I don't have that experience, but good for y'all. For me, it's like I still remain oblivious. I'm not like Peyton and realize it two years later. People have to tell me that that happened. (laughs) Reba, he was flirting with you. Oh, that's what that was. I thought it was a little bit weird. Like in high school, like senior year, there was one guy and he would, we would hang out like all the time. Like, you know, every break we were sitting together or, you know, something like that. He was like, you're my only friend here. And I was like, yeah, well, you're my good friend. You know, we should. I think that's the thing. Like being outsiders to that, we would be like Peyton, you know. And it just, it never occurred to me until like. Well, it's kind of like uh, understanding that the opposite sex, like. If you're into the opposite sex, you can be friends with them, but sometimes, I don't know, it can be hard, I guess, for the other party to understand that, oh, just because you hang out with a girl doesn't mean you're, like, have to be into them or, like, Mm. they're looking for something romantic. Because I'm obviously not, like, I literally, the reason I did online dating is because at least, because I could take away from the bro Mm-hmm. of my personality yeah. Yeah. be like you don't oh, immediately friend zone because yeah, you know you're searching for 
that and I a know that partner in that interested. Mm-hmm. Whereas him, poor guy, he would like put his knee on my mm-hmm. knee like while we were sitting together and stuff like and I see never occurred to me. Never occurred to me. Well, I was that, like, man, he's just does not care about personal space. But <laughs> yeah, see, that no. was the only, you know, one time I've had anything happen, you know, in college, which you guys know about like like that happened yeah. and I'm like oh like I think this is like what it is and he'd be like nah and that's like that was a whole situation it was a whole yeah. situation yeah it was you friend zoned but I, have you been friend zoned I don't think so you just had no, I'm just I didn't start dating until my 20s yeah it wasn't something of interest to me Same. I just didn't <laughs> I would even if I had a crush on We're somebody in the same boat. <laughs> even if I had a crush on somebody it wasn't like enough to be like oh I'm mm-hmm. you know I want it was like unattainable you. you're like eh, this is fine yeah but like that's yeah it was always like eh, I don't know about this like I want somebody that I want somebody to be more assertive with me mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying so they weren't technically attractive to me mm-hmm. but I've never been friend zoned I don't think like I've never actively mm-hmm. seeked out a friend yeah for well, me I guess I technically have <laughs> for me like because I always like any friendships I have have been with girls that like having any guy in my life in any aspect I feel like you know at this point in my life with my experiences would be romantically like I don't know I feel like I if I invited someone into my circle you know it would be for that reason yeah. And not to be a friend. And a lot of people are confused on that. Like, they can't separate that. Yeah. I feel like... I don't know if I would have a hard time. I guess it would depend on the person. Yeah. Like... Yeah. If, but I also read a lot of, you know, rom-coms. <laughs> rom-coms. Fr- friends to lovers is a hot topic, you yeah. know? And I would be like, what if that happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. So, yeah. I don't. That sounds really complicated. Mm. Enemies to lovers, give me that. Mm. I w- find me someone I can hate. Yeah. For, like, all the right and wrong reasons and... I'll, I'll get with I that. Mean, but we've already established that you aren't the friendliest of people, <laughs> so it'd have to be enemies to lovers. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you hate me, please come my way. <laughs> you think I'm annoying? I mean, I just know that when we were growing up, like, because I'm an only child, and, like, I didn't know how to talk to anyone but girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, once we reached high school, like, I tried to talk to guys like as friends but i like still didn't know what i was doing but then we hit college and everyone was kind of like in the same boat so i was like okay um, i don't know (laughs) if i've ever been able to like which is really weird to think about like differentiate friendly situations versus like other situations personally like which is funny because i grew up with a brother who was really close to my age so like i should be able to talk to guys around my age you would think and i always felt like all the guys i was around were always into another friend yeah not gonna Uh, get into that yeah but that was always the circumstance so i was merely like okay enemy number one enemy number why three. you into her yeah <laughs> me and you were both in that boat i can get into it but um, it's but not I, like i'm jealous of them her getting the attention from them there's but, literally but it like, was like a whole story for that too. and they're all ski- like keep in mind <laughs> when they say this the guys that were brought around were all kind of skeevy mm-hmm. to begin with so she's not just saying like as a super superiority thing or anything no they were all like <laughs> <laughs> skeevy guys I mean Whereas, there were some okay ones thrown in there but I was still like nah man you don't have a chance like, yeah. I'm just putting that out there and I know you hate me now for saying that to you but sorry about it like we could have been friends we could have been until you decided that you were good enough for her Dang. <sighs> I'm just looking out for my friends you know but meanwhile I was off uh, friend zoning guys and mm. yeah it is what I it have is. priorities, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not one of them. Um, <laughs> not 10 years ago. I'm sorry. I was a different person. We've established this. It's okay. Well, it's like recently one of my friends told me that uh, one of the people like that graduated with her like had a crush on me the entire time like like when I began grad school and I didn't know that and she told me that recently and I was like you gonna be telling me that now but that's the thing though okay so my cousin is bad and if she's listening to this hi Katie um, <laughs> can I keep that in there yeah okay she is not good at relationships at all just because she's bad 
she knows what i'm talking about like she plays games she is all about that stuff that's um, too much effort for me but like <laughs> i gotta know that i'm in the game first yeah. <laughs> puts 110 percent in way too quickly so if there was ever a guy that was like had a crush on her i'd be like honey run mm-hmm. <laughs> i love you i love her honey run Scott I, think, I think at this time it's just gonna be me go do best friend stuff for the rest of my life i <laughs> hey best friend hey best friend it's just so weird that like because of this heterosexual society that we're like okay if we're friends with the opposite sex like you either are into them or you immediately friend zone them i mean in some circumstances you both are like nah we ain't into each other that's the thing i've had plenty of friendships that we're both like no you mutually are like I mean, that's the thing. People are into different things. I don't, I don't know how to react around most people, evidently. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> but, like, especially... And also, I don't... I'm not around, around men ever anymore. Yeah. <laughs> So whenever I do come across one in the wild, I'm like, what do I, what do I do? What do I say? Um, He's talking to me. It's always like wait staff too, like at a restaurant where I'm like, and they're they're the world's worst about flirting. My theory is they do it to get better tips, or Mm -hmm. you know, like that's just how they interact with people, Mm -hmm. which is fine because I feel like if people were to see me like being my most extrovert Mm -hmm. self, they would think I was flirting with them probably why i have to friend zone a lot of people and do friend zone a lot of people yeah and i don't have like that experience that so many people have of like going out to like the bars and stuff and like figuring out how to flirt and stuff and like be around i also don't like people so maybe that's the real issue but (laughs) and i also want to point out you've always chosen female dominated areas i mean same like like most of my college life, all my classes, especially whenever I entered education, which is a predominantly female career, Ew. that there was maybe one guy in the class. Yeah. Like, like talk to them sometimes. I did like projects and stuff with them sometimes, but still like it was predominantly female. So that is what I'm used to being around. And yeah, it's interesting too. like STEM field. Like if I focus just specifically on my undergrad major, majority of us were female. Mm-hmm. Like there are a handful of guys in our program, but yeah. we were actually majority female. So like I had those few guy friends that were in our program, but that's the only guy friends I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After some time talking, Lena showed him the charms on her necklace of trinkets, a raven pendant that was her mother's. We discovered everything on the necklace had a story, and she kept random little things to hold close those hold those memories close. He told her that he wished he had moved around like she had. After a little bit, she told him that she would go to the movies with him Friday. I, I like the contrast of like, oh, uh, I wish I'd moved around like you had. And she's like, I wish I would have stayed in one place like you had. Mm-hmm. And just like, you want what you didn't have, that kind of experience. It's, it's, there's a lot of things that are like that, mm-hmm. though. You want what you haven't had. I mean, I'm like that with mm-hmm. some people. I'm like, oh, I wish I had blah, 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 blah. And they're like, well, I wish I had blah, 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 like you. My boyfriend is from a more financially stable mm-hmm. household. He's been all over the world and he got to do all this stuff. And, you know, he's had a lot of things easy for him. Mm -hmm. Whereas I hadn't, like, for example, like he got a flat the other day. Mm -hmm. He was at home and he called a service to come fix it. Whereas my ass would have been out there fixing the flat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, man, I wish I had, you know, what you had. I feel like my family is definitely closer, more close knit. Mm-hmm. Like my parents are still together, you know. Mm-hmm. We have a little bit easier, but it's just like, man, I could have been all over the world yeah. like you have. I could have had all these experiences. Mm-hmm. And so planning a trip coming soon. <laughs> yes, seriously. I'm like, so what country are you taking me to? Yeah, Caitlin's mom answering that we needed to have shit. Yes. <laughs> she wants to go to Europe so bad. That's all it is. Oh. She's been talking about going to Europe for like the past 10 years. I think it's like, funny because... Well, she's retiring this year, so I'm like, you know, you should go. Like, I, You know, honestly, if we did go to Europe, like all of us together, and we took your mom, we would not see her till the end of the trip. I have that feeling. 
You should make nah, it a, she, she would be out. You should with make us. it a Girl Scout. No, I meant like she would be out, but she would be. She would be out by herself. She would be out by herself. <laughs> we should make it a Girl Scout reunion trip while our moms and all of us. <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be, be interesting. <laughs> we wouldn't see them till we got to the airport, and me and Peyton would be wearing big sunglasses, just like, hey. <laughs> Ethan couldn't stop freaking out about the date. Well, not date. On Friday, while he wished for it to be a date so badly, he knew she'd barely admit to them even being friends, and the town still hated her. He found himself in a constant state of anxiety, and his thoughts always landed on Lena. Can't stop, won't stop thinking about Lena. I wish that was as cool as she thought it was. Some of it's like her bringing about the anxiety of the date and everything, but some of it's like her being a comfort a comforting thought too on the big day ethan was in a great mood he caught a ride with link to the movies but he forgot about it being friday the night everyone came out to the cinema he strode in late facing off a perturbed lena who stated she already got tickets they flirted a little but lena was annoyed because of having to deal with everyone from school before he got there while discussing popcorn and for some reason deciding not to get (laughs) butter just salt (laughs) that's my ordeal i was like ew this is salty popcorn yeah with milk duds Where's the butter? A lot of butter on popcorn makes me vomit. Yeah, well, but that's still, it's we delicious. know that. We know we, that. The podcast knows that. <laughs> Link interrupted asking if they knew where the guys were. Thankfully, Link sat with the guys instead of Ethan and Lena to give them some space. They decided to sit in the back row, which was considered the hookup central for kids from Gatlin. He knew he should warn Lena, but he didn't know how to bring it up. <laughs> Just tell her. <laughs> Ethan doesn't know how to bring up a lot of things. Around them, everyone was making out, but they attempted to ignore it. Then Lena accidentally touched Ethan's hand in the popcorn bowl. He was running out of basketball plays in his head. <laughs> if you missed the last episode, he is talking down a boner. Mm-hmm. The movie started and Ethan told her that he knew the guy currently on the screen was the killer. Yeah, okay. He always figured stuff like that out quickly. Yeah. Ever since he was a kid. It was the same with basketball, carnival games, video games, and checkers with his dad. He always knew right from the first move. She asked him how he thought this would end. Happy, he told her. Very happy. She called him a liar and reached for the milk duds in his sweatshirt pocket, only to find the locket. Then they whipped into another vision. So I'm not crazy from before whenever he was talking about playing basketball and he always knew what the opponent was going to do. I'm not crazy for being like, oh, that has to do with something later on. Yeah. Because they mention that again. And while they don't mention or they don't say like what it has to do with, it's brought up later in the series. The vision. Burning a house with women in it. It couldn't be true. Mama, Evangeline, Genevieve's mind was racing. Maybe it wasn't too late. She broke into a run, ignoring the ragged claws of the bushes, urging her to go back, and Ethan and Ivy's voices calling after her. The bushes opened up, and there were two Federals in front of what was left of the burning, left of the house Genevieve's grandfather had built. Two Federals pouring a tray full of silver into a government-issue rucksack. Genevieve was a rush of black, billowing fabric, catching the gust kicked up by the fire. What the? Grab her, Emmett, the first teenage boy called to the other. Genevieve was taking the stairs two at a time, choking on the gales of smoke pouring from the opening where the door had been. She was out of her mind. Mama, Evangeline, her lungs were raw. She felt herself falling. Was it the smoke? Was she going to faint? No, it was something else. A hand on her wrist pulling her down. Where do you think you're going, girl? Let me go, she screamed, her voice raw from the smoke. Her back hit the stairs one by one as he dragged her, a blur of navy and gold. Her head hit next. Heat, then something wet, dripping down the collar of her dress. Dizziness and confusion mixed with desperation. A gunshot. The sound was so loud it brought her back, cutting through the darkness. The hand gripping her wrist relaxed. She tried to will her eyes to focus. Two more shots rang out. Lord, please spare Mama and Evangeline. But in the end, it was too much to ask, or maybe it had been the wrong question. Because when she heard the sound of the third body drop, her eyes refocused long enough to see Ethan's gray wool jacket sprayed with blood, shot by the very soldiers he had refused to fight against anymore, and the smell of blood mixed with gunpowder and burning lemons. By the time the vision ended, the credits rolled. Lena sat in shock, her hair wild and out of breath, after just witnessing a man die. Link tried to fist bump Ethan as he passed by, thinking they had a good makeout session, which couldn't have been further from the truth. 
After his and Lena's date, word spread all over town, all over school. And it might as well have been the town, too. <laughs> the kids were being cruel, so Ethan wanted to skip lunch to avoid everyone. Then Ethan decided he was done with that, and he talked Lena into walking into the cafeteria with him. She was scared to do it. He told her they could sit wherever she wanted. Lena decided she wanted to sit with him and his friends but when they got to the table earl shook his head as if to say if you bring her over here you're done for when ethan turned to check on lena she was gone the team nominated earl to be the one to talk to talk some sense into ethan at practice he told him not to bring lena around that if he continued hanging out with her there was no going back little did earl know if lena hadn't bolted he would have found out how little ethan cared about his popularity status Ethan's like, I don't care anymore. Nope. Luckily, Link refused to abandon his bestie. After yes. practice, they went to Stop and Shop, which is where Ethan met the second prettiest girl he'd ever seen. My mouth was full. Caitlin was very excited on that. We all know how much I love a blonde bitch. <laughs> we had Rosalie. We had Isabel. And now we have Ridley. Miss Ridley. Ridley... No, I was going to say Ridley Hale. That's not it. <laughs> That's Rosalie. Rosalie. Ridley Duquesne. So, Ridley is... I didn't even write it down in the notes because I can picture her so well in my mind. Ridley is like this blonde bombshell. She comes in, big sunglasses, blonde hair with a pink strap in it. Mm, love it. Described as a Aspirations. goth cheerleader. Goth cheerleader. She has a short black pleated skirt on and a white too small for her tank top. You can and see a red freaking lollipop in her mouth. Red lollipop with the red motorcycle boots, like black bra. <laughs> she's hot. Tattoo. Yeah, she's got a tattoo around her belly button. I don't know about that one, but she's so like firm in my head. Like I can just picture her now. She's what I wanted to be when I was like thirteen. Honestly, <laughs> I could see you trying to do that too. She strutted up to the gawking boys, asking for Ethan. Lincoln, Link shoved Ethan forward, <laughs> where the girl wrapped him in a big hug, saying she was Lena's cousin Ridley. At the mention of Lena, all the onlookers disappeared. She explained that she was in town for the gatherings, gathering days, and was instructed to pick him up. At first, he considered that Lena would have invited him if she wanted him there, but Ridley had this pull about her. And he moved towards her anyway. On the ride to Ravenwood, Ethan couldn't stop blabbing to Ridley. He didn't quite understand why he was telling her all of his secrets, but it was like he had lost control of his mouth. He told her about everyone in his life, his mom, dad, Alma, Link, and Lena. He felt like she was sucking it out of him, just like she was sucking on that lollipop. It took everything he had not to tell her about the locket and the dream. I will say that I read the word blabbing as babbling instead, but either way it works. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He just can't stop talking to her is the big thing. And he's telling her all this stuff about himself. She's gathering it as like Some things that he mm -hmm. hasn't even told Lena. Mm -hmm. They pulled up to the Ravenwood Manor and Ethan finally shut up. Ridley stated that he had nothing to worry about because he was the real deal. But Lena would probably never see him again after today because in her words, our family is just a little whack. <laughs> she got out and Ethan followed her as they reached the porch. Ridley insisted that when Lena dumped him in five months, give her a call. When they walked inside, Ridley's mother was setting up gourds. Her mother seemed shocked to see her. Ethan recognized that wasn't a typical mother-daughter hello. Then a girl around 10 years old who looked a lot like Ridley bounded downstairs with Boo behind her in a blue cape. She smiled at Ridley, then frowned. They said you'd gone away. Boo growled, but Ridley opened her arms waiting for a hug from the girl. When she didn't run into her big sister's arms, Ridley manifested multiple red lollipops in one hand, and in the other, a little mouse in a blue cape matching the one Boo was wearing. Ridley stated to the girl, Ryan, that she would never leave her, that their mama was pulling her tail to see if she squeaked. Ryan grinned and bolted towards her big sister. Boo barked, and Ryan floated into the air. She 
fell as the lights changed. Ridley called into the house, asking Macon if all this was necessary. Boo jumped between Ryan and Ridley, growling territorially. Then Macon glided downstairs, saying he wasn't expecting her. Ridley wrapped her arm around Ethan and told her family she would never miss it and brought a guest this time. Actually, she was Ethan's guest. Macon stared her down, stating surely she was expected elsewhere. She told him she thought it would be such a long journey to take Ethan all the way back home. <laughs> all the all the tway back home. This is the point where I was like, I need to stop. <laughs> the room sat silent until Macon assisted Ridley bring Ethan into the dining room. Ridley's mother, Aunt Dell, tried to object, but Macon assured her everything would be all right. All Ethan wanted to do was leave, but with Ridley touching him, he was on autopilot. Lena came in holding a big tray of exotic fruits. When she spotted Ridley and Ethan, the tray crashed to the floor. Lena stood aghast, asking why Ridley came. Ridley simply replied, I came to see my favorite cousin, of course, and I brought a date. Ethan weakly insisted, "Hmm, I'm not your date. (laughs) Ethan noted his cloudy thoughts. He breathed deeply, but suffocated on Ridley's strong scent, something musky along with a sickly sweet smell like burning syrup on the stove. Macon asked Lena to tell Kitchen to set two more seats at the table. Lena said Ridley couldn't stay, but Macon told her it would be okay. You're safe here. He directed towards his favorite niece. Ethan considered Lena's expression less fearful and more infuriated. We're doing dialogue. Um, If we feel like there needs to be added stuff, we'll add to. We're going to do the dialogue of the people involved, and you're going to be introduced to some more characters. But the main characters we're focusing on is Caitlin is going to be Ridley, for obvious reasons. (laughs) Reba is going to be Lena, and I'm going to be Macon, for obvious reasons. I think we're all for obvious reasons. Yes. Put that out there. Well, most of this conversation, other than a few short exchanges, are based mainly on those three people so an older girl entered the room she looked a lot like ridley except she had on more clothing and she didn't look so dangerous she had long straight blonde hair with a neater version of ridley's choppy bangs she looked like the kind of girl you'd see carrying a stack of books on a fancy old college campus up north like yale or harvard the girl locked eyes with ridley like she could see ridley's eyes through the dark shades she was wearing ethan i'd like to introduce you to my older sister annabelle oh i'm sorry i mean reese What are you doing here, Ridley? I thought you had another engagement tonight. Plans change. So do families. Interesting. Why is it, Rid? When I look in your eyes, all I can see are hers. You two are thick as thieves, aren't you? You're babbling again, sis. Megan clapped his hands down heavily on Ridley's shoulder. Now... Like it or not, the gathering has commenced. I won't have anyone ruining the high holidays. Not under my roof. Ridley has been, as she so helpfully clarified, invited to join us. Nothing more needs to be said. Please, everyone, have a seat. So they all sit down and then Ridley says, You've already met my mother, and this is my father, Barclay Kent, and my brother, Larkin. It's nice to meet you, Ethan, Barclay says. And then Larkin is really weird, and uh, he throws an arm over Ethan's shoulder, and it turns into a snake. <laughs> Larkin! Barclay hissed. Jeez, just trying to lift the mood around here. You're all such a bunch of whiners. Larkin's eyes flickered yellow, slitted snake eyes. Larkin, I said that was enough. And then Macon took a seat at the head of the table. Why don't we all sit down? Kitchen has prepared one of her finest holiday meals. Lena and I have been subjected to the clatter for days. Sit over here by me, short straw, Ridley said to Ethan. No. I just love sugar horses. <laughs> Ridley's just being really weird at the dinner table, basically. Yeah. Then Ridley looked across the table at Lena. So, cuz, any big plans for your birthday we are not discussing lena's birthday tonight why not you don't need to worry about my birthday you won't be invited you certainly should worry i mean it's such an important birthday after all ridley i said that's enough why are you taking her side uncle m i spent as much time with you as lena did growing up how did she suddenly become your favorite 
You know it has nothing to do with favorites. You have been claimed. It's out of my hands. At this point, Ethan is very confused about the wording of this conversation, and he definitely feels like an outsider. He also claimed. <laughs> he also cannot move or speak, basically, at this point. Uh, so. Yeah, Ridley's definitely got a handle on him right now. He's just an observer at this point. <laughs> so Ridley looks at Megan, you know, in that kind of way, looking like that spoiled child, saying, but you and I are the same, right? So Lena was gripping the edge of the table, her knuckles white. You are not the same. You think you're so much better than me, Lena, is it? You don't even know your real name. You don't even realize this relationship of yours is doomed. Just wait until you're claimed and you find out how things really work. (laughs) You have no idea if we're the same or not. In a few months, you could end up exactly like me. Shut up. Tell him, Lena, don't you think Short Straw here deserves to know everything? That you have no idea if you're light or dark? That you have no chance? I said, shut up. Tell him how we lived together in the same room, like sisters. That I was exactly like you a year ago, and now... Ridley, I said that's enough. I will cast you out of this house if you say another word. You can't cast me out, Uncle. You aren't strong enough for that. Don't overestimate your skills. No dark caster on earth is powerful enough to enter Ravenwood on their own. I bound the place myself. We all did. Uh, Uncle Megan, you're forgetting that the famous Southern hospitality. I didn't break in. I was invited in on the arm of a handsome gent in Gat Dung. So Ridley looks over at Ethan and he's kind of seeing her real self right now and describes her as looking like a monster. He realizes... He brought a monster into this house, into Lena's house. And then the house begins to shake. And at the same time, Ethan's like feeling super cold Mm -hmm. and in pain. And he doesn't understand what's going on. He's starting to feel numb. Lena looked up from the table in horror. Ethan! Aunt Dell stamped her foot across the room. The floorboard seemed to roll beneath her feet. Casita! 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 The coldness spread throughout his body, his throat frozen, his legs paralyzed. He couldn't move, and he couldn't pull away from Ridley. In just a few minutes, he realized he wouldn't be able to breathe. Then a woman's voice floated through the air. It was Aunt Del. Ridley, I told you to stay away, child. There's nothing we can do for you now. I'm so sorry. Ridley, a year can make all the difference in the world. You're claimed now. You've found your place in the order of things. You don't belong here anymore. You have to go. Go! No! Ridley, behave! You must leave this place. Ravenwood is not a place of dark magic. This is a bound place, a place of light. You can't survive here, not for long, said Aunt Dell. I'm not leaving, Mother. Aunt, you can't make me. Macon said, you know that's not true. I'm stronger now, Uncle Megan. You can't control me. True. Your strength is growing, but you are not ready to take me on. And I will do whatever is necessary to protect Lena, even if that means hurting you or worse. You would do that to me? Ravenwood's a dark place of power. It has always been since Abraham. He was one of us. Ravenwood should be ours. Why are you binding it to the light? Ravenwood is Lena's home now. You belong with me, Uncle M. With her. Ridley stood up, dragging Ethan to his feet. Lena, Megan, and Ridley all stood now, three points of a frightening triangle. Ridley says, I'm not scared of your kind. That may be, but you have no power here, not against all of us, in a natural. <laughs> Lena, a natural, that's the funniest thing you've said all night. I've seen what a natural can do. Lena can never be one. A cataclyst and a natural aren't the same. Aren't they, though? A cataclyst is a natural gone dark, two sides of the same coin. Ethan felt his body seizing up. He knew he was blacking out. He was probably going to die. It felt like the life was being sucked out of him. One, then lightning and the crash of the tree branch just outside the window. The storm was here. It was right on us. You're wrong, Uncle M, Ridley said. Lena isn't worth protecting, and she's certainly not a natural. You won't know her fate until her birthday. You think that just because she's sweet and innocent now, she'll be claimed by the light? That means nothing. Wasn't I the same a year ago? And from what Short Straw here has been telling me, she's closer to dark than light. Lightning storms? Terrorizing the high school? The wind grew stronger and Lena was getting angrier. I could see the rage in her eyes. A window shattered just like an English class. I knew where this was going. Shut up! You don't know what you're talking about! 
Rain came pouring into the dining room, wind followed, sending glass and plates crashing to the floor, black liquid staining the floor in long streaks. No one moved. Ridley turned back to the Macon. You've always given her too much credit. She's nothing. As this is going on, like, there's literally a hurricane inside the room with Oh, them. yeah. Craziness. Um... And then Ethan's feeling his legs buckle just as he's starting to lose consciousness. He felt the wind, the surge of power, like he's being gripped from Ridley's hands. I collapsed to the floor as I heard Lena's voice, or thought I did. Get the hell away from my boyfriend, witch. Boyfriend? Was that what I was? I tried to smile. Instead, I blacked out. (laughs) Ethan is freaking passing out right now. He's like, she called me his her boyfriend? <laughs> Priorities, man. You almost died. Ethan's like, I don't care if I die. Lena, call me her boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> okay, I would like to state that as much as I'm rooting for Ridley, at this moment, I'm like, girl, calm down. <laughs> like, you were in the wrong household to be acting like this. You yep. don't know what Lena's capable of. Like, the last time you saw her was a year ago. You don't know. Well, that was a wild that ride. Was fun. <laughs> yeah. They are a little whack, but honestly, it was just like Ridley fighting with everyone. Basically, yeah. Them saying this really weird stuff that Ethan's like, huh and then lena calls it a freaking hurricane like getting to say lena's line there at the end i like that line get away from my my boyfriend boyfriend. (laughs) imagine everyone who's like whoa (laughs) girl's got a boyfriend i'm dying but this is sweet the sweetness (laughs) these were the last words i ever heard then good for me So, while going over podcast notes and everything, I was on a Facebook group dedicated to people who read. I saw this interesting post where this woman was talking about how she didn't like the idea of her child reading The Lovely Bones. Yeah. And I think it was like somewhere in junior high. So, Mm -hmm. like sixth to eighth grade. She just didn't think it was appropriate material. Oh, 12 years old. She said her kid was 12 years old when she did it. Um, So, around sixth grade. So, around, yeah. And so I was thinking what what y'all's opinion were on books being assigned in school and the appropriateness of them and how I feel about them. I wanted to see how we all felt. So. So, a teacher signs a book. I to don't students. read it. Wait, yep. <laughs> a teacher signs a book to students. The uh, students' parents get involved because they don't like the idea of the book or what it serves for. And age does play a part in it. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're like, this book is inappropriate. This book, da 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 da. I think, you know, it has to do a lot with maturity and, yeah, the content of it and such. In middle school, these kids don't need to be reading The Lovely Bones. I gotta say, I've seen the movie. It's a little bit traumatizing. And I feel like books in school need to be, like, relatable for kids. You know, like, we read, um, like, Old Man in the Sea and Their Eyes Are Watching God. You think I could relate to those things? No. No, I didn't read them either. And, but um, in eighth grade? Oh, The Outsiders. The Outsiders. The Outsiders was a I little found, bit more... I, I, I enjoyed The Outsiders as far as reading in school. Yeah. I thought The Outsiders was good for that age. Mm-hmm. So, I went to this group, and uh, if you're... From this group, uh, I gave some of them our name and everything. Mm -hmm. So if you're from there, hi, this is our podcast. Thank you for listening. I asked a question. I was like, okay, so what books were you assigned? I was supposed to say, what books were you assigned? I didn't. I said, what books did you read in school? Which was, it was a whole other can of worms that I didn't realize I was letting loose. But it was enjoyable to read everybody's opinion. So anyway, these are some of them that were assigned in school. One of them was The Outsiders, Mm -hmm. but it was for fourth graders. Fourth graders should be reading, like, Because of Winn-Dixie. Yeah. And, like, Charlotte's Web. Kid books. Books. The Outsiders, I feel like, is young adult. Yeah. And then another one was The Giver. She was like, well, my son read it in fifth grade. And then others were like, well, I read it in third grade and it was fine. And apparently this woman was a teacher and she was like, I give kids that book in middle school Mm -hmm. to read. Yeah. I'm guessing she meant like it just wasn't. And also like as far as kids like understanding symbolism even like you know the little amount that is in YA type classics like a third grader is not going to understand it or understand the world or understand you know the importance of something mentioned they're not Mm -hmm. going to they need to be reading kid 
books. books. And by that, I mean like chapter books. Of course, kids love chapter books. Mm-hmm. They really do. They feel like they're grown ups. Yeah. Stuff that they can identify with or like. See, and I think The Giver, actually, because I've read The Giver, mm-hmm. and I read it as an adult, and I was like, this is a good kid's book for dystopians. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a kid's book, I can say, it's a good starter for dystopians. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like the, the kid version of Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, and I think that, I think you should have been more in middle school to read it. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I, fifth grade, yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I was reading too many adult books in the fifth grade for that to ever be yeah. an issue it also just depends on the kid and their maturity level and ability to understand certain topics and their interest in those mm-hmm. but like i was just thinking like books assigned in school especially in elementary school and a lot of times like early middle school need to be like all kid books something that all kids you know can find some sort of enjoyment in mm-hmm. as opposed to like kids who are really you know getting into dystopian and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. give those kids books the like dystopian. the giver because i wouldn't have appreciated that in the fifth grade honestly because that wasn't my kind of thing yeah. like didn't read in the fifth grade either and another thing when is, did you <laughs> read so, on the topic you're on did you hear about uh Hines County, Mississippi this week. Um, I didn't hear about it either, but somebody on the post said that the assistant principal in Hines County or in one of the schools in Hines County uh is in a lot of trouble because he read to, he or she read to second graders a book called I Need a New Butt. <laughs> I need a new butt. I need a new butt. I haven't looked into it, but I heard about it and I was like, that is very on par. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. I, That's one of those you maybe don't read the whole class <laughs> yeah even if it's supposed to you be like funny. read your own kids although i will say so i've got like a little mobile library set up in my room mm-hmm. yesterday my kids wanted to read and i was like okay go ahead yeah y'all y'all pick out a book so i got this kindergartner and he pulls out a captain underpants book and he just learned how to read <laughs> and he was like look this is captain underpants like how risque <laughs> 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 it just had me so tickled. <laughs> yeah. We had, you know, Read Across America Week a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago. And so one of the other teachers was like looking for a Wacky Wednesday copy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know I have one, but I don't know where it is. And I looked throughout, throughout all my library. And then I was thinking, I was like, I hid that book somewhere because my kids last year kept on finding the butt in it and like pointing at it and laughing at it and being like, there's a butt in here. Yeah. And so I hid it. Um, so I brought it back out and I told the teacher, I was like, there's a button there. So I hit it. And she's like, okay, whatever. And then I put it back in my library and I told my kids, I was like, y'all be mature. We all have them. It's just a drawing of a butt. Also, speaking of fifth graders and dystopians, some said that they read the Hunger Games in the fifth grade. I still feel like that's a little bit too young. I think some fifth graders could handle it. Yeah. But I'm really trying to get my sister to read the Hunger Games. Like, my copy mm-hmm. is in her bedroom. Because I'm like, yeah. you'd like this. It's... I you know proposed it as it's about kids killing each other and because yeah. she's like into really weird shit like that yeah but she's also interested in beautiful creatures mm-hmm. i think because i said it was about like magic witch type people in the yeah. south and it was 500 pages so she was like "Ooh, ooh, but- yeah <laughs> i think all bets are off in high school that's just me yeah i mean i think it still depends on maturity and like the type of class like i know i was talking about um or we both were talking about like seniors, I feel like, especially like seniors, AP English type, or even mm-hmm. just regular general ed seniors. Like those kids are 17, 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. They should be able to read, you know, the harder. Our teacher in high school got in trouble one of his uh, earlier years because he read the colored purple. Mm-hmm for his seniors in his ex- AP lit class. Mm-hmm. and uh, Which that's usually like 12 kids. Mm-hmm. Usually like that class, our, our class was different. Yeah. But usually yeah. it's not a lot of kids. Like they are mature. They are able to like see, pick out like different themes and symbolism and stuff mm-hmm. and like really dissect a piece of literature mm-hmm. and able to be mature about it for the yeah. most part. So but that was the thing where I was like, why do you get in trouble for that? Yeah, like, it's like that is so especially like strange. The color purple, which is a classic and deals with a lot of, you know, 
I, I don't know much about it, but I feel like race type stuff. It deals with race type yeah. stuff. It deals with like assault. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's been a minute, but I think it's got like assault in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think I'm there definitely sure. need to be like trigger warnings for your students. And if your students are, you know, mm-hmm. underage, maybe like send something to the parents being like, hey, this is what we are reading. But and the I- parents shouldn't be like, oh, they can't read that. I'm like, they do all the time and they learn about so yeah. why not let them read it in a controlled environment? Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, it's also like an LGBTQ yeah. kind of book, too. So there might be many reasons why um, the school is not happy with that one. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. A, just a lot of cons in that list. And another one was Speak, which is also dealing with like assault and mm-hmm. stuff in the ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people weren't happy about yeah. that. It's going to be hard for me to like assess this list because I haven't read any of these books. One of them that had me shocked to my very f-ing core was Flowers in the Attic in seventh grade. So Wild. <laughs> so keep in mind, I did read this book around this age. Mm-hmm. Do I think that it should have ever been recommended by a teacher or given to a student by a teacher or no, mm-hmm. not at all. This had incest, rape, uh, abuse, <laughs> neglect, murder, you name it, mm-hmm. it was in it. Like, it's a really f***ed up book. I'm still traumatized from it. Thanks, Mom. On this group, everybody's like, so pe- the people that read Flowers in the Attic before 13, how are y'all doing now? And I'm like, I'm fine. We're very traumatic ad- or traumatized adults. Yeah. <laughs> the emotional damage. <laughs> and I mean, for those of you that don't... I have attachment issues. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, it's about this girl and she's got like three siblings. She's got one older brother and two uh, twin younger siblings. Her dad dies. They move in with her, their grandmother that they've never met before, and they're locked in the attic, and they have no idea why. Mm-hmm. And their grandmother is abusive and is like terrible to them, and saying it's because of her Christian values. Come to find out, uh, they're the product of incest because their mom is their dad's niece. <sighs> yeah. And then it's just a whole bunch. It just gets worse and worse and worse from there. So I'll leave it that to you. Yeah. But a 12-year-old should not be reading it. Yeah, definitely not uh, something I would, like, as a teacher, recommend to a child. Um, Even as a daycare teacher, where it's a very mm-hmm. looser format, I wouldn't be like, yeah, re- yeah, you need to read this. I realize my sister's 12, and, like, recommending books to her, which... If I recommend something, she's not going to read it anyway because mm. you I'm, I'm her big sister mm. and blah, blah, blah. There's some stuff I'll be like, you should read that. And then I think about it and I'm like, mm, maybe wait a couple of years. Or like I try to think of how old I was whenever I read stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was reading Twilight at your age. Like you probably could read that. Yeah. And I mean, she's mature, but I still feel like some things. Oh, yeah. Like I was watching, you know, Grey's Anatomy and stuff at that age. Mm-hmm. Like I knew about things at that point. And she knows a little bit about things, but I don't know how much she knows. Yeah. That's the thing. My parents all, well, my dad had no f- clue about books. <laughs> like, that is not his forte. My mom was a very hefty reader. Um, She doesn't really do, do much anymore with it, but she used to also like, same. read all the time. Mm-hmm. And so her rule was I could read whatever I wanted to. Like TV, not so much. Couldn't mm-hmm. watch whatever. I, but if I was reading, she would be fine with it. So I would pick up like her books all the time and read them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've re- I read Greg Isles' True Evil at like 10 years old. And I read this book and... A whole bunch of others that probably weren't age appropriate at yeah. all. But I was, I was the type of kid that was fine for. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have had any. Like me now as an adult, I wouldn't have had issues with ten year old me mm-hmm. reading that. I'd be like, baby, I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> You're like, I don't think that's a great idea. Yeah. I but feel like, um, like with kids, especially like that. 10 to 13 year old age like Mm -hmm. that is whenever they are discovering as far as books like what they're into and stuff I know Mm -hmm. that's the age I was yeah and I mean my mom didn't read anything I read she just assumed it was appropriate yeah that's kind of what she was like it's it's in like the YA section and she's into some books over there so I guess these all are appropriate and for the most part they were but also like that was the way I learned about a lot of things yeah and 
you know, people different from me and situations different from mine. So I think it's a good experience for kids to learn. But I feel like as a parent with like younger kids by like early adolescence, like you should know a little bit about what your kids are into, period, so that they could have the opportunity to have like an open floor discussion about things. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, how cool would it be for you and your kid to read the same book and able to like discuss it, Mm -hmm. you know, be like, okay, if you have any questions about stuff, like I should like relationship wise that helps yeah and i think it's all about a discussion like Mm -hmm. there's discussions that need to be made Mm -hmm. the books that i was reading were mainly my mom so it wasn't like a big issue for her Mm -hmm. she was like okay well you're reading it's fine i was not reading what my mom was reading (laughs) man if my mom read what i read now she'd be like caitlin are you okay why are you reading this this is horrible (laughs) there'll be no discussions about it at this time, though, like, okay, so I said I read Greg Isles. Mm-hmm. The reason I read Greg Isles is because my mom was obsessed with Greg Isles. Like, we'd go see him, like, whenever he was doing a book signing or whatever. She would go up there and make a fool of herself, I guess. Just mm-hmm. like, you're awesome. <laughs> you can definitely tell we're from Mississippi because I read that in, like, John Grisham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, at that age, just because, you know, Mississippi authors, I guess. But, yeah, it was very interesting. And I feel like we could go like do a whole other discussion about like our influence reading and stuff growing up because like I'm thinking of a billion different things right now that aren't exactly on the topic that we're supposed to be discussing right yeah. now. They're going to hold for later. See, and that's the thing, like when this all blew up on that page, I was like, wow, this is like a whole bunch of different topics we could use later. Yeah, like yeah. there's so many. Well, I was like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> but yeah, as far as reading in school and being assigned maturity is one of the biggest things for me i'm not like there were a lot of people that were like well i don't want my kid reading about death or Mm -hmm. i don't want you know i'm like they this is the perfect opportunity because their brains are developing so quickly anyway to teach them about these things and teach them how to handle these things Mm -hmm. and to teach like even if in the book the character is like going through it is you know dealing with like depression after death like grief Mm -hmm. like having a discussion about that and you know if a kid is triggered by that you know having access to someone but it's better for them to have like those experience and learn how to be like a good adult later on yeah you know like so they don't you know get to that point where they lose someone really important to them in their adult life and they don't know how to handle it you know being able to look back like okay we read this book i learned about this early on so i know like i could make it through it And it it teaches kids about the world. It does. Like, about people who are different from them. And that was one thing I appreciated from, like, was it sixth grade we read um, Esperanza Rising? Rising. That Mm -hmm. one I really enjoyed. And it is about a girl and her family immigrating Mm -hmm. from Mexico, I think. Yeah. And, like, the stuff they had to go through. And Mm -hmm. that one was very impactful. Or, like, um, was it Nights by... that one was super impactful on me Mm -hmm. too yeah i read that twice that was in the ninth grade it's about the holocaust and it was like Mm -hmm. true events and esperanza rising wasn't it was loosely based it was loosely and on a bunch of people's lives i'm sure because they have to go through that i think it was like somebody's grandmother or something it's been so long but me being like a little white girl from small town mississippi hearing about these things and i wasn't mm-hmm. exposed to much like that and all the shows i watched anyway like even the adult shows were predominantly white yeah and like still relatable like i said things should be relatable but you also should be able to read like the esperanza one she was around our age i think which yeah, was the was, right yeah. relatability and like some family dynamic dynamic things are related to but like the situation mm-hmm. i didn't so it was impactful in that way yeah because i mean like it it really put into perspective for us kids how like with esperanza rising uh she was like a she was from a wealthy family yeah, yeah. in mexico and mm-hmm. i think i can't remember exactly what happened because it's been so long but they had to flee mm-hmm. they had to flee and then they lived as like poor immigrants yeah. with uh, in the United States, uh-huh. farming yeah, camps, farming. and like, I can't remember what they're called. Is it? It's not quadrillions, it, but it's it something. It took like my, you know, Disney influence mm-hmm. to believe, so like all that, and you know, made things realistic in mm-hmm. fictional context. I feel, yeah, 
And I really appreciated it. I did have a lot of night mm-hmm. on the list, but it was like, oh, I was in sixth grade or so, you know. Yeah, we read it in ninth grade uh, general English. But I'm one of those people, you got to show the horrors mm-hmm. of the world sometime. I mean, you yeah. got to rip that band-aid off eventually. And with that one, like, I mean, I knew about like the Holocaust and stuff, but I'd never read any like mm-hmm. firsthand accounts Accounts. from it which really just made it more real in my mind like i knew it happened but the descriptions and stuff Mm -hmm. and i like still remember very specific things from that book which i read 10 years ago Mm -hmm. now one cool fact uh one of the people that commented on it she said we read this in the sixth grade and he came to our school that's so cool yes i was like oh yeah i remember that awesome yeah that would have been really cool. Yeah, because I mean, like, I would never forget that. Yeah. I'm not going to say who. We had a uh, civil rights leader or activist, I'm not sure, who was in the area. Oh, yeah. And I was so excited because I was mm-hmm. like, man, I've heard about this guy. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. And then, you know, my mom got COVID, so I couldn't go see him. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I love meeting these people who are a part mm-hmm. of history mm-hmm. and just being able to be in there and that's another thing like as far as giving kids books to read giving them like access to speak to the authors or people Mm -hmm. involved or whatever or like I love it whenever teachers are able, like the English teachers, able to talk to the other teachers mm-hmm. in like the same grade or whatever who teach the kids and able to like interconnect mm-hmm. this book or like they go on a field trip that has to do with that. Yeah, and that's it's memorable. It is. It puts uh-huh. it puts a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It helps a lot of things tie yeah. in together. I don't know. I am not one of those people that is a huge stickler for rules on assignments. Like mm-hmm. you know, like oh, you've got to do it this way, this, this, and this. Like, once they get to about junior high, a lot of stuff I'm not mad at. But as far as, like, flowers in the attic, which Mm -hmm. don't ever assign that in a class, ever. You know, high school, you can do whatever you want. Like, I have no qualms with it. I mean, we were loosely given, like, okay, here's a list, pick a book. Mm -hmm. And we had to do assignments on it in our um, advanced English class, which might have been why, because we were like, yeah, considered capable of doing these things. But giving kids the opportunity to take books that they will enjoy, I think is really important because I personally don't like classics. Yeah. And even the ones I read, I was still like, okay, whatever. But if I was given the opportunity to like write a 10 page paper on the Hunger Games, you bet I would oh, have. Yeah, you would have totally. Yeah. If I had to write an expose on why Bella Swan sucked, you bet I would have. But like we were given the opportunity to pick something that we would be somewhat interested in. I know some schools, they read like more on um, modern types. Like Kelsey's class got to read Percy Jackson, like yeah. the first one. And I'm, cause they, and they, with their English class and with like their social studies class, we're working on, on Greek. yeah, Greece yeah. and Greek mythology. And I think with some of their other classes, it was interconnected too. And that's mm-hmm. sixth grade. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. I know some schools do like the Hunger Games or Divergent, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. Kids can watch the movie about it too. They can relate. Mm-hmm. They might remember when it came out. Probably not at this point. See, like, I don't know, because I loved Fahrenheit 451 at the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, the books I read in high school, I would, a majority of them, I should say, I would not have given up. Like, I'm so glad I read them because it put me as the person I am today. Mm-hmm. Maybe they put me as the person I am today, too. I hate classics. I hate Hate's classics. a strong <laughs> word. I just don't like them. You strongly dislike I mean, there were a few that I thought were the shorter ones. I was like, these are okay. (laughs) I say that, but like, I think junior year, I didn't actually read either of those. We read like Great Gatsby and Animal Farm, I think Mm -hmm. sophomore year. Old Man in the Sea. Their eyes were watching God. (laughs) Junior year. And then senior year. Poisonwood Bible. Did we read another one? I think we just read the Poisonwood Bible. I think that was the only book. 600 pages. We read things like uh, senior year was things like what? Like Hamlet and like. Yeah, we did a lot of uh, plays and poetry. poetry. The importance of being earnest. Earnest. Not great. I I loved some of those too. Yeah. (laughs) The importance of being earnest in Hamlet, man. We I, iconic. I could give y'all like me and Caitlin played roles in both of those. And the was it Hamlet? He like put on mute, and we were just like interpreting what was going yes. on. 
Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Oh, yeah. we got to watch Rosencrantz yeah. and Guildenstern are dead, and that was the glass like, menagerie. So. The glass menagerie. Yeah, I will never forget that one because of you. Okay, so our town. Like, we did watch our town. Uh, we did ninth grade. We did uh, Fahrenheit 451 and Lord of the Flies. I we, hated Lord of the Flies. We read Night by Ellie Weasel ninth yeah. grade. Which that was my second time reading it because in eighth grade, our English teacher is like, can you read this for me so I can determine like if, you know, I want to do this like for all the class to read it. Were you like, can you pay me? Yeah. <laughs> and so I read it and then I was like thinking that we were going to cover it that year and then she didn't do it. And I was like, she was just making you a stronger reader. <laughs> I guess so. So I she got was, to read it twice. She was putting it on the lesson plan for next, next year. year. Yeah. <laughs> she just wanted you to do the extra work so she didn't have to. Censorship. Censorship. So a big discussion on the on the post was censorship. I did not intend for that to happen because I am not one of those people that likes I mean, censorship. It, it makes sense that while that would come yeah. up. Yeah, because I enjoy reading banned books. Uh-huh. I bought the Anarchist Cookbook the second I realized that the author was trying to ban it. <laughs> not that I want to make bombs or drugs or anything, but that's just, you know, that's what I... I like having that information, and if I ever want to write about it, I have the opportunity to, you know, take research. It's yeah, for research purposes. It came about that a lot of people were wanting to censor things, and then others were like, "No, you can't! Like this is terrible. We can't censor." And I get that. Like I'm that way. We mm-hmm. we do not need to be censoring books at all. Mm-mm. Necessarily putting them in the hands of children mm-hmm. might not always be the best idea I, but it depends on the child it really depends how much the um thing that's considering being censorship like certain words are brought up mm-hmm. and like the way they are said in the discussions had about them yes like i know a big one is the n-word that one first off like not gonna say it no. like you were talking about a teacher who read that out loud to oh, her right. class mm-hmm. which i feel like is completely inappropriate especially if you're like if you're not willing to have that conversation with your kids and also mm-hmm. me as like a white woman i'm not and, no and they asked like on the post they're like was she white and the girl was like yeah she was white. that's a no yeah i'm not gonna get into all that but i yeah. fervently disagree with that having the discussion about why this word was used and the context of it within the text is very important like having those discussions about you know words or certain contexts or whatever like once again in a controlled environment really helps because they're gonna hear these words anyway or see them or like interact with certain things anyway and if you're able to like have that discussion beforehand they have that knowledge like even my kids as far as those discussions i really try to gauge their maturity level because mm-hmm. mine are like all across the board as far as oh, maturity yeah. and intelligence as well so i'm always like hmm, how do i have this conversation with mm-hmm. you our place as adults is to if you interact with children to teach them mm-hmm. and i think that's the big thing and like be willing to have those discussions with them mm-hmm. if they are willing like mm-hmm. if they ask questions so as far as like censorship goes like they're kind of find out stuff anyway yeah. so doing it in a controlled environment i'm like that with a lot of things yeah. i'm like tell them about it as long as you think they're mature enough to handle certain things i'm never closed off about things unless it's something about me oh yeah that's the only time I feel like mm-hmm. it is appropriate or mm-hmm. inappropriate for them to be like, what's this? What are you doing here? What's mm-hmm. What are you working on? Like, first off, you've got to give me space. Second off, this is my business. Mm-hmm. And if I need you to know, you'll find out. Anything else, like if they have a question about the world or anything, I'm going to answer it to the best of my knowledge. And if I don't know... <laughs> we Google stuff all the time in my yeah, room. I'm yeah. like, y'all, I don't know. Hold up. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And if I don't know, I'm grabbing my phone and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, well, we'll look it up together and I'll top it out. Or like, I'll find a video on it and I'm yeah. like, hey, you and me, we're going to watch this real quick. Yeah. Very interesting on how I have to go about certain topics and mm-hmm. everything because I have such a huge difference in my yeah. kids. Well, even like specifically giving a kid a book, being like, hey, you could handle this. Here you go. I'm like, they're going to show other kids. Yeah. (laughs) They're going to talk about it with other kids. So just in conclusion, as far as assigning books and stuff, 
It all depends on the kid, but you've got to be careful as a teacher. Mm-hmm. You got to cover your own ass. Let's, yeah. let's be real yes, about it. Yes, with anything. Yeah. You got to cover your own ass and you got to make sure, hey, this, I stand by this book and I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that my kids understand this. And yeah. if it, if you don't feel like that's a hundred percent, that you're a hundred percent in on this mm-hmm. book, don't assign it. No. Yeah. Okay. Just quickly, like, how would you feel about, or like, if there was a teacher who there's a specific reading list that she or he has to follow, like a high school mm-hmm. teacher, maybe middle school teacher. Yeah. But they personally, like, there's a book on there. And I'm thinking of more like um, a progressively stanced teacher um, who's like, no, I don't want my kids to read this book because there's content in there or like it's so like old whatever you know like the stuff mentioned in there doesn't really align with what i want these kids to interact with yeah. you know or it could be you know difference a teacher who believes in censorship and it's mm-hmm. like we're not going to read that mm-hmm. and like would like go as far as you know telling like the school board oh we're not going to read that mm-hmm. i think that probably happens a lot they oh, banned yeah. to kill a mockingbird in biloxi Jeez, because of his outdated points of view mm-hmm. but if they read the book they would realize that yeah. it was which i feel like the opposite yeah. in both you know with both types of teachers that mm-hmm. i just mentioned as far as stuff being outdated that still brings up a great conversation you could have yeah and the ability to like even compare text that mm-hmm. i think would be a lot of fun and for those of you that haven't read to kill a mockingbird and i'm pretty sure most of you that are listening have probably read it but the two <laughs> in the room with me <laughs> have not have not <laughs> it's about this girl and her dad's a lawyer and he's trying to get this black man Mm-hmm. out of uh i think it's a murder charge or something or an assault charge or something he's not guilty but everybody in town because he's a black man thinks he is, thinks that he is. Mm-hmm. and so yes there is foul language mm-hmm. there is a bunch of small minded people in the book mm-hmm. but at the same time the main characters are wholesome yeah <laughs> for a lack of a better term like they're you know they're trying mm-hmm. to do the right thing yeah, so I don't see why they banned that book. So I think just in conclusion, wrapping up, maturity, the type of kids you have, mm-hmm. um, having those discussions about the hard things is super mm-hmm. important. The age does matter with mm-hmm. some books. Like, don't have your 12-year-old reading Flowers in the Attic. Yeah. Like, because we're broken this now. could be yeah. traumatizing just consider this could be traumatizing if you can as an adult read the books that you're about to make children read yes. <laughs> yeah so that you know what they're about to get into and you're ready to have those conversations mm-hmm. it's so important but i mean it's shocking to me because there's so many books out there that are like banned from mm-hmm. schools and stuff like the lorax yeah is banned mm-hmm. and it's just because it's anti-industrialization yeah. we speak for the trees <laughs> yeah <laughs> bunch of hippie people yeah okay anything else to add to that that's it um thank you for listening thank you if you've joined the podcast after coming on from the page i'm not gonna say which one but you'll know you know who you are that about wraps it up please remember to follow us on instagram if you're ever so inclined uh let's call it nothing pod and we'll see you next time with our discussion of beautiful creatures and tons of other stuff anyway bye. Bye. bye I don't even want to be here anymore. Hello.